What's up, everybody, and welcome back to What the Fun. And today we are reviewing Lord of the Rings, The Ring of Power, Episode 1 and Episode 2. My name's Mike, and with me are my co-hosts, Joe and uh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, callback. Uh, this is uh, this is Joe 2.0, the duck himself here. Uh, don't have any rings to come in late in this one. So uh, the duck is here right out the back because uh, those rings haven't been created yet. Spoilers. Uh, I am excited <laughs> here. The Rings of Power, Lord of the Rings, more content. Give it to me in my soul. Loving it so far. Joe, mm. the real Joe. How are you doing? Well, the I'm real Joe, please stand up or stay seated or talk. I'm going to stay seated uh, <laughs> and I'll just I'll just talk because I think that'll work better. Uh, but I'm good. doing good. I'm excited to talk about Rings of Power. Uh, I know there's been a uh, some some turmoil in the community over this thing but i want to give it an unbiased view uh yes there has been turmoil dumb turmoil in my opinion uh we could maybe touch on that a little bit but this is what the fun uh we are a podcast network um where we do a video game debate show as well as reviews of awesome stuff that we love and we have been doing lord of the rings content for the past month or so and it actually two months or so and we're continuing we're so excited to uh review rings of power so stay tuned we will be reviewing every single episode um and also spoiler alert we're going to be doing a new ranking system for the middle of a season, so I'll let you know about it all at the end. But like I said, this is the What the Fun Network, uh, so follow us at Twitter at What the Fun Pod, um, also on Facebook. We're trying to boost up our followers, so just go ahead and uh, give us a follow there. If you just Google What the Fun Pod, that will pop up as well. Our Twitter should be like first or second link there. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and like this episode and comment down below what you thought of the first two episodes of the rings of power. And if it's not too late, we are running a giveaway for the 4k digital set of the original trilogy on our return of the King video. So go and take a look at that video and see how to enter. If you're listening to us on a podcatcher of choice, please consider leaving us a review, especially on Apple iTunes. It truly helps us out get into the algorithms and stuff. And plus, we would just want to know how we're doing. So let us know by a star review and then also leave some comments on your review as well. We would greatly appreciate it. Hey, uh, let's get into it. The Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Um, you guys, I was extremely excited going into this show, especially after our review of the original trilogy. Just rem that review of the original trilogy, trilogy truly reminded me just of how much I love this lore, how much I love this setting, and how much I love those original films. And to get more Lord of the Rings content, I'm just all for. And so, Joe, um, Rings of Power, Let's. what was your excitement level going into this show before we do our spoiler-free review? Sales pitch. Uh, if you love Lord of the Rings like I do, get yourself a hold of a Silmarillion and enjoy that encyclopedia of Lord of the Rings lore. Uh, what did I expect? Uh, or what were my expectations? Um, I think, unfortunately, they were uh, a bit... Like, I, I was worried. Um, only because the most recent Lord of the Rings that we got was The Hobbit. And mm -hmm. as we all know, especially if we've seen and listened to the reviews, uh, I was not a huge fan of those films. Uh, I'm hopeful in the sense that with a episodic series, they'll be able to do justice to, uh, you know, the lore that they're diving into. Uh, this also, however, is the first one that doesn't have written source material to start off. They have the Silmarillion, yeah. which is a guide to the creation of Middle Earth and everything, where the beings come from and how it came to existence and all that. And that's a bit of what they're pulling from but they have no actual source material so yeah i am hopeful yet also i think a bit nervous 
Okay, so that's fair. I think that's very fair, especially since, as you said, they don't have an actual source material to go on. Now, um, I will counteract that and, and counterpoint that with they had the original source for The Hobbit, and I think they screwed it up. Um, and so I think that maybe having a little bit more creative freedom within this world could potentially be a good thing. And so, Justin, what was your what was your excitement level going into this series and then we'll again we'll go into spoiler free review well um after watching mtv cribs last week uh i i was ready (laughs) um sadly to be a little disappointed i was worried i was worried because i'm going to echo what you said um with the original trilogy that level of film quality is so high you're putting that bar so high that's why Mm -hmm. the hobbit didn't stand uh up on its own really in my opinion I feel like uh, it, it was trying to reach that level with the source material of The Hobbit and extend it for three films, and it kind of faltered. So I believe that with this open creativity flow that they have available to them, sure, they have a few little key points here and there and some characters that we know and love uh, before we knew them in the original trilogy. I feel mm-hmm. like they have that freedom to um, blossom this story. And I was worried. Um, and we'll get into it, but I, I am pleasantly calmed and, uh, I am ready. I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready to be blown away by this, uh, unique story in the world that I love and grew up with. So let's get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And as I said, I was extremely excited going into the show because after rewatching the original trilogy, like I just am excited for more content within this, uh, within this atmosphere, within this lore within this story. And so, yeah, let's get into it. Um, we are reviewing episodes one and two, obviously out on Amazon prime right now. When you are listening to this episode, the third episode will be released. And so we will be reviewing that next week. So patent pending Joe, first two episodes, let's get your spoiler free review, a spoiler free review of a show. Uh, this is interesting. We've never done this before. Um, so spoiler free review, it's uh, Lord of the Rings content. And it has no source material. We have no idea what to expect. Uh, maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. Why don't you give it a shot if you like Lord of the Rings? Spoiler free review. Was that really a review? I don't even know. Yeah, I think that was I just a recommendation. <laughs> uh, well, it, I... it is, but how do you review a show that nobody else has seen either without spoiling it? I don't watch trailers. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, <laughs> review, what is your spoiler-free review of the first two episodes? That's... It's a show about Lord of the Rings. There's characters that you may have heard of That's before. a synopsis, right. not well, a I'll review. Go. Anyway, go. I'm going <laughs> to Justin. All right, so, uh, spoiler-free review uh, in honor of Jelly's uh, synopsis. Uh, <laughs> this is a show. It's about Lord of the Rings, and uh, it's about characters that but we know and it? love. I, I think that quality-wise, uh, this is one of the most visual, gratifying shows I've seen in a long time. I think they took their time with the cinematography. I think they took their time with the sets, the, the set pieces. I feel like uh, they did a great job uh, lining this story up, and I'm excited to see where it's going to go. I can't wait to get more of this content every week as it rolls out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, like I said, I was a little worried, but visually and story-driven-wise, it is keeping me very optimistic into the Yeah, um, I'm with you, Justin. I think that uh, if you're not watching this on a 4K display, I think you are doing yourself a disservice. I know that sounds potentially a little bit privileged, but I think it's well worth it um, to get yourself a 4K display and watch this Mm -hmm. because the set pieces, the CGI pieces that they use, um, the action, uh, it's just it's amazing. Um, like I am incredibly, incredibly, um, excited for the future of this show. I think the story is going to back up, um, you know, the, the action and the set pieces and the visuals. And as far as the first two, first two episodes go, I love the characters that they're introducing. I love the characters that they're potentially reintroducing. And we'll talk about those. Um, but I also I also really enjoy kind of the story beats and the relationships that they're seeing um, within within these first two episodes. So I think it's a very good start. Um, and so let's get into it. Um, if you have not seen the first two episodes of The Rings of Power, please do yourself a service. 
pause this podcast, go to Amazon Prime, and watch the first two episodes. Consider this your official spoiler warning. Hey, you. What's that? What are you doing? Who, me? Do you want to be spoiled? No? Well, then. Stop it. Get some help. So you don't feel like this guy. Instead, let it be a surprise. I like surprises. So go watch the thing before you move on in the podcast, okay? Alrighty then. That was your official spoiler warning. Um, let's get into it, guys. Really quick, I want to mention the cast because I do think that they did a very good job of casting. And so you have Morphid Clark as Galadriel. Do you? Um, yeah. Okay, sorry, my bad. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. I'm, I'm in. Agree for it. with who? <laughs> I, I agree with uh, Mike. It, it is okay. fairly well casting. I think they did a good job. Let's uh, Morphin Clark is Galadriel, <laughs> Lenny, uh, Lenny Henry as Sadok Burroughs, uh, Markello Cavanaugh as Nori, um, Brandyfoot, uh, Marigold Brandyfoot is played by Sarah. Zwangobani, sorry for mispronouncing it. Um, and you have uh, Dylan Smith as Largo Brandyfoot. Um, you have Robert Aramaro, Aramite Mayo as Elrond. Um, you have Ishmael Cruz Cordova as Arandir. Um, I really like his character, so I'm excited about uh, that. Can you try to pronounce pronounce the name of Malva the Harfoot for me? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh. <laughs> Thusisa <laughs> Jayasundara. Um, sorry about great that job. pronunciation. Great job. <laughs> She's I a great actress. Okay. She did. She did good. All right. Um, yeah. Megan Megan Richards is also pretty prominent um, as Poppy Proudfellow, um, and then you have uh, Nazanin uh, Boniandi, who I recognize from some other stuff, but she's Bronwyn. She's pretty uh, prevalent in the story. And then we'll get to Daniel Wayman's The Stranger as well. So, all right, let's get into the synopsis of the first episode. After Wait, the Dark Lord... Are we going to talk about the uh, character? Do you guys really think Elrond like, looked good for Elrond? you think that was a good character choice? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't think so. I don't think it looks anything like uh, Hugo Weaving. <laughs> so I think the well, I don't. How are you going bit. to get somebody that is going to look exactly like him? There are se- seven billion people on the planet. I'm sure there's at least a few doppelgangers for what he could have. Uh, like a few doppelgangers that have this guy's acting talents as well. Like, sure, uh, yeah, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> you mean most of those British accent. Most of those guys are um, working. Stop. <laughs> with, you know, in the Matrix, and they're working with other things, so they're busy. Uh, all right, let's yeah. continue. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, after the Dark Lord Margoth, <clears throat> okay, you then then I'm gonna hold you to that because you need to say the same thing for the stranger when we get to talking about it. Okay, absolutely. All right, good. I I agree. <laughs> <laughs> good. I was gonna bring it up. Don't worry. After the Dark Lord Morgoth, uh, by the way, A Shadow of the Past is the title of the first episode. After the Dark Lord Morgoth was defeated, the elf Finrod died searching for his servant Sauron. Let's talk about Morgoth for a while, for a little bit. Yeah. That um, is, that's a big character that we haven't heard from, maybe mentioned twice in the original trilogy, or maybe in The yeah. Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This is the god, well, not, it, it's a godlike devil or Satan in the middle earth. Mm-hmm. So this is way bigger than Sauron. This is something that, uh, is the big baddie, uh, jelly. I'm going to pass it to you. Cause you've read all of the, uh, the back notes on this guy for sure. Uh, yeah, he, he is the Satan figure here. Uh, if you're not familiar with the biblical text, then, uh, imagine, uh, in middle earth creation, there's a God, uh, who created everything. UV, I think is his name. Uh, but anyways, he created the angels, uh, Anwar, and Morgoth was one of these beings. Uh, he was jealous. He wanted to be able to have creation of his own. Uh, he was cast from the realm. He went, created his own area. We have Middle Earth. Uh, and he was ruler of this area. All powerful. But he was a bit of a baddie. Uh, he created the likes of Sauron and orcs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unsurprisingly enough, all the evil stuff. Uh, because that's where his heart was. Uh, cause he was separated from the creation. 
he created all the bad things and he was really good at creating bad things. And this is not Wreck-It Ralph. Bad things are bad, in fact, in this universe. Uh, so he created, uh, he created a lot of bad things, uh, but he was the ultimate and first big bad, uh, mm. Morgoth. Well, and then just to, just to go off of that, like you see Morgoth and they had some really cool visuals of like him in the shadows. You don't necessarily see him, but what I do want to talk about is Sauron, like seeing him walk down those stairs was a very awesome visual right at the start. Um, where you just get, you just get the history and, and, you know, talking about that too, like how good does this harken back to, you know, the fellowship of the ring where they're like filling in the lore for you with, you know, Galadriel being the narrator over it. Like Mm -hmm. Justin, did you, did you like this powerful intro? Yeah, it was definitely a callback to what we love, uh, and done correctly. Uh, it, it held, Mm -hmm. it held a lot of weight in what she was saying. It, it held a lot of weight in the visuals that were behind it. I feel like mm-hmm. it really tied the beginning of this episode and pulled you in. Uh, like I said, and I'm going to I'm gonna keep echoing it throughout this entire episode, the visuals and the cinematography are on point for this. And that's mm-hmm. not even including the musical score, which is ramping it up to 11, just like the original trilogy. Howard did. Shore, again. Yeah. Uh, kudos. Yeah. Phenomenal job. It pulled you into what you know and love, and fans that don't know gets a little rundown. They... they uh, I'm sure they like it. So Finrod is, uh, again, he's an elf that was searching for Sauron, but he passes away. He dies by the hand of Sauron. Uh, Finrod's sister, Galadriel, vowed to continue the search and finds an abandoned fortress in the northern wastelands of Farodwaith, which bears Sauron's mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like we are going to probably talk about the set pieces and just the, the visuals of this show a lot because they do a really good job. Like we've said before, um, how, what'd you guys think of like this, you know, this blizzard type scene and them, them getting into that fortress that obviously Sauron was at, um, prior Joe. It was, it was beautiful, right? It, it Mm -hmm. takes us back to some of the Helm's deep footage or, uh, yeah, because it's it's dark and cavey. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of going based off the original ones, or the uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name of it. But where all the uh, the dead the dead kingdom was, uh, and the original king, um, it, it kind of harkens back to those set pieces as well, where you have these uh, very dark. I mean, it's set in a cavern, and it's essentially in the Arctic Circle. So you have this dark, stormy, snow-covered, blizzard-happening setting outside. And then as soon as you get inside, it is the same thing, just with dark, like, dismal, sharp edges. Mm-hmm. Everything everything looks, you know, uh, I want to say evil. Everything looks bad. Everything looks yeah. dangerous. Everything looks scarier uh, because of the setting. Uh, they do a beautiful job. I mean... It, it honestly feels evil in there. And when you're watching that comes across, I'm going to touch base on cinematography here at the intro of Galadriel. Pretty much. Uh, she's climbing a rock ice wall, uh, pretty much a cliff. And this has been done in, in film many times. We've got mission impossible Two with Tom Cruise climbing on the rocks of a Sandy desert. We've got uh, AVP. The lead actress was climbing an ice wall as well. Uh, these are things that, show how powerful or, or how BA these characters are before you even get them to open their mouths. So this is something mm-hmm. that sets the tone for her character. And it's done very yeah. well in this sense with the camera panning and the emotion between her and her companions. I feel like this is a great uh, way to start visually what we are going to see to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the start uh to Galadriel's journey um, in this show. I think it, you know, shows her, um, her prowess for leadership uh, Mm -hmm. as well as fighting. Um, And I'm just, I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, it continues. Um, I I think that they got a good foundation going uh, to start off with, but yeah, her companions insist that they return to the uh, Elven capital, Linden, uh, where not London, Linden, (laughs) Uh, where High King Gil-Galad proclaims the war against Morgoth's forces to be over. Uh, But again, that um, 
they also fought a snow troll, um, you know, in between this as well. Uh, Galadriel completely destroyed uh, that snow troll. Um, Gla- and then, yeah, Galadriel fought a snow troll. No one else did. <laughs> yeah, nobody did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, but they do go back to the Elven Kingdom. Uh, and honestly, Galadriel was very close to not even going back. I think she still obviously knew that Sauron was still... I don't know if he's on the run at this point. I, I don't know how you would describe that, but I think he's just evading very good. Um, yeah, I, th- I I think of it as like when Voldemort is formless. Uh, okay. Because I, I put Sauron kind of in, the, in that same specter of like, he's not exactly a full-fledged being. We know that he doesn't come back to a full being uh, at least for a little bit. Uh, after he was destroyed and cast out, um, Morgoth was destroyed and cast out. Sauron was banished. Uh, we know that he's not a full-fledged, at least necromancer, wizard, mage, mm-hmm. powerful being for a little bit yet. Um, yeah. So I kind of, I, I picture him behind the scenes manipulating mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff, kind of like Voldemort does in the first few uh, books before he has a, yeah. a body again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to echo that as well uh, without saying the name that's not supposed to be said. Shame on you, Jelly. Uh, he who must not be named uh, shares very similar qualities here. Sauron? Uh, I, uh, I'm talking about... Thought, uh, we've we've said his name a lot. What? Oh, oh. Fear of the name only increase fear of the being himself. Come on. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I need to say this. So, uh, <laughs> what? Am I we'll mixing up my lores here? <laughs> uh, so, with Sauron, a lot of uh, the gripes now on the interwebs is that he's not a big role. Uh, he's not seen a lot. And I feel like that's gratifying for us uh you need to stay calm because i'm sure they will bring him in later uh i feel like this is building the power building that tension building the drive for a climax and i think that's a very good technique to use you don't need to see these big battles every scene you don't need to see a big uh fight with sauron at the end of every episode that's not how shows work they yeah have good story and drama so mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like uh if you are one of those uh people that are saying those things just relax Take a breather, enjoy what you see, and you'll probably be gratifying. At, it'll be gratifying at the end. So yeah, go rewatch Jaws while you're breathing and understand that not showing something on film can be more powerful than showing it. Yeah, yeah, we'll need a bigger boat by the end of this movie or the show. Yes, we're gonna need a bigger boat. It was kind speaking of, of boats, yeah. Speaking of uh, boats, yeah. we'll get to that episode okay. two. Well, but yeah, episode two. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, High King Gilgalad. Um. He grants Galadriel and her company the honor of sailing to Valinor, where they can live an eternal life of peace, at peace. So, um, kind of to set the stage for them going back there was at the very beginning of the episode was their journey away from there to Middle Earth to mm-hmm. find Sauron um, and find Morgoth specifically, who. Morgoth invaded, um, you know, Valinor at the at the start of the episode. Um, so, so yeah, um, Galadriel's going home because she she was born there. She's going home, um, but is she? We'll find out. Um, so, in the Southlands of Middle Earth, elves watch over men descended from allies of Morgoth. So, some uh, bad juju history there. Um, to the disapproval of the others, the elf Arundir has developed a close relationship with the human healer Bronwyn. So yeah, um this elf likes this woman. Yeah, Justin? Joe. No, I want to go to Joe on this. Uh the relationship. Oh, romance. Uh, yeah. take romance uh, to me. All yeah, right. I definitely want to cool take it that. to you because there's uh no ring story plot right now. So uh this has no uh drive to get that story fulfilled i want to hear your take on he doesn't he doesn't have a samwise you yeah. know to no no i think i Bro. think it's fitting in this story unlike there's, the other one i think it actually makes sense here yeah unlike definitely. the other one <laughs> that's my take i mean it so you're okay with it. they inter- they introduce it from the beginning they give us a reason why it's bad it's mm-hmm. you know it's star-crossed lovers we've all seen this one before right it's romeo and juliet it's you know capulets and montagues it's these people not those people there's a rift between them and it's you know quote unquote yeah. bad for them to intermingle it's tried and uh, true storytelling yeah so mm-hmm. do i think that they'll drop the ball somewhere on this yeah probably but for now they're doing all right yeah, yeah. i would have definitely went with west side story references but i agree with joe 
uh, minus the I'm fact that they're going to drop the ball. I'm, I'm very optimistic that they're going to fulfill this mm-hmm. plot. Uh, they they introduced it so early <laughs> that it's going to be something that is a through line. So I feel like they're going to have to um, do something with it towards the end. Yeah, and I, I also like uh, Arandir. Like, I, I really think that he's going to play a, a pivotal role in this mm-hmm. series, um, potentially even more than Elrond. Um, you know, I I don't know. Um, but I'm, I am I really like that character so far. Um, yeah, he just he's just kind of like this, like, elf that's a little bit brooding, a, a little bit more serious, um, but also quite wise um for just sort of being a warrior you know sort of being a watch elf that type of thing so kind of excited for him um and Bronwyn's a cool character too um I think that I think like Joe said they haven't screwed it up yet um with this relationship so so I'll I'll get on board there um but yeah uh now what's interesting um since we're on Bronwyn she has a son um and Bolkett. this son, huh? Bolcut, Bronwyn and Bolcut. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bolcut is his name. Or <laughs> just, oh, okay. a terrible I was just gonna say that's um his name's Theo. Uh, I was like, what? <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Bronwyn's son, uh, Theo, finds a broken sword bearing Sauron's mark. So I don't know if it's more so like finds the sword or if he's already been hiding it. Um, yeah, it kind of seems like he's been he, he has a hidden place that he's keeping it. Mm. Uh, he's very uh, it's kind of like how Pip was with uh, the Palant- Palantir. Uh, where it's something cool and I want to keep it to myself and then I'm going to touch it and something bad's going to happen. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very foreshadowing and foreboding for the future. Uh, yeah. But I feel like he's had it. We didn't We didn't really see him venture off and be like, oh, I'm going to put this in my back pocket yeah. and hide it from everyone. He kind of already had yeah, it. Yeah, so. we, we know he knows where it's stashed. We, we're not sure if he stashed it there or not. And I, mm-hmm. think, I think that was good. Like, yeah. I think that that uh, kind of gives us the opportunity to introduce someone else more integral to that story mm-hmm. and who found that sword why was it there why was it yeah. in this secret hidey hole place well and then what i i don't think i noticed uh it too clearly but did his clothes always have the mark of sauron on it like throughout the whole episode i'm not sure if i, noticed I didn't that. notice okay yeah, because what i noticed is after he touched the sword mm-hmm. his clothes had sauron's mark on it Really? Um, yeah, so maybe roll back the tape, but I remember seeing on his like shoulders um, and elsewhere that after he touched the sword, those sorts of markings were on his clothing. So I think Theo is going to be a very, very interesting character going forward because like Aaron, like Arandir, I think Theo is going to play an integral role in like the introduction of Sauron um, uh, and into into the whole story. So in my mind, when I watched him fondle around with the sword and hide it and things, I've got I got straight Boromir feelings uh, of someone who might turn bad, but then have a change of heart towards the end. I feel like this mm-hmm. could be something that, yes, I agree, it could be an introduction for Sauron, but also something that he doesn't know that it's evil, per se. But he's going to misstep and and travel down the wrong path. And I don't. I don't back. know. If, I'm going to push back on that. Uh, maybe Joe disagrees or agrees with me, but I, I think he knows what this sword is um, because I think he understands the history of his people and that they were that they were people of Morgoth. So I don't. I don't know, Joe. Do you agree with that or? Uh, I don't know if initially he does understand what the sword is. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that okay. from the moment his blood touches it, he should have been aware. <laughs> when he and saw his blood go <laughs> up it? Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. something. <laughs> I think that was a pretty dead giveaway that, hey, this thing might be a little bit more uh, mystical, dangerous, dark, Actually, I think, than I thought. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves because I think that's an that's, episode two. It is. So, it let's, is. It is. so let's finish episode we'll, one here. We'll, we'll come back um, to that later. Yeah, we will. Um, so... Anyway, uh, uh, Arondir and Bronwyn, they actually travel to uh, Hordern, which is a village nearby, and it has been destroyed. Um, so that's going to 
throw a wrench into episode two as well. So we'll get to that. Um, and so uh, near Valinor, um, Galadriel chooses to turn back and continue to search for Sauron. So she jumps off the ship. Um, now, some of those other elf characters that were in her company are pretty interesting, so I don't know if they will end up maybe taking the sail back uh, to Middle-earth. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But Galadriel, Galadriel is clear. My job is not done. She has this gut feeling and an accurate feeling, um, to give her the fairness there, that Sauron is still around. Mm-hmm. And they kind of lead into that, right? At least for us, for the viewers, we get to know the backstory behind yeah. that right at the end. Uh, Elrond's talking to Gilgalad, and uh, they know that Sauron's not gone. They know that Morgoth's evil is still mm-hmm. present in the world, and they're afraid that by keeping Galadriel there, it's going to make it worse. So they're trying to send her away. Hush, hush. Disappear, disappear please. Uh, so you leave the story. Maybe we can fix this mess. So uh, at that at that same time, get... yeah. So at that t- same time, as she jumps off, visually, um, people watching get to see a meteor basically fly across all of the characters, pretty much in the show so far, uh, for the most part. And we just see it going. And at that point, I'm like, oh, Clark Kent's coming. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> like like it, it was like as i watched i was i was confused because it, there was a lot of visual awesomeness happening on that boat as they were reaching uh their destination and then it was almost like boom right there she jumps off and then there's just a meteor like what's going on here mm-hmm. uh it was it was out of out of the blue wasn't expecting yeah. it uh but yeah it was interesting and then they go and inspect it uh who is it the the bride foot brandy foot and proud fellow Poppy and Nori. Nori, yeah. Yeah, so let's let's get into that because I think Joe has some feelings that he might want to get off his chest. Um so uh <laughs> during this whole episode, there is also uh the Harfoots that are introduced. Now the Harfoots are actually um hobbits. Um they were there are three different types of hobbits. They're the Harfoots, the Fallhides, and the Stores. Um and they were all um with kind of within this region. And the Harfoots are what we're introduced to. Uh, Nori Brandyfoot and Poppy Proudfellow are probably the main Harfoots that we are seeing. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're, I mean, they're very cautious creatures. They don't want to get caught by any hunters or anything like that. They also, uh, they're small, so wolves can get them. So they're very, cur- they're very cautious um, when they see wolves and stuff. Um and yeah, uh, the Harfoots, um, I enjoyed them. I, I liked their uh, their cleverness. I liked their um, their cuteness. Um, you know, I'll put it that way. Um, Joe, on the other hand, I've, I've had conversations with you. I don't think you like these descendants of the Hobbits um, uh, or ancestors, rather. Yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of them being dirty, grungy people. Uh, I don't think that that's what a hobbit is. And granted, these are Harfoots, right? Not hobbits. Uh, they just, I have to try and separate the difference between the two. These yeah, are not hobbits. It, they, they're a different, they're a different type of hobbit, right? Cause there's, there's several different types, um, according to this webpage I'm looking at. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're just not the they're not the Samwise, the, they're not the Bilbo, they're not not the people not, we know from the Shire. You know? Yeah, 3,000 mm-hmm. years later, Hobbits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Uh, they're fine, they're fun. Uh, I really like Nori's character. Oh yeah, uh, she's really good. Mm-hmm. Poppy's eh. The rest of them are okay. The The leader's also interesting for me. Um, but that's kind of it for them. Uh, I don't think they've given us any other characters to try and like connect with have a bond with build a relationship yeah. with uh but nori and then i don't remember the leader's name but uh he and her um yeah i mean the leader I, seems I to be uh sadok burrows um who is the yeah. kind of the uh he's he's the one harfoot that like was um you know reading texts like uh under reading the sky as well um like yeah. he he seems to be there like leader their their prophet so to speak it seems like which um, is why he's interesting to me right yeah. he mm-hmm. he offers more than just uh i'm a grungy figure it out kind of guy i have mm-hmm. 
more going on and we don't know it yet uh nori is curious which is not normal for a hobbit as we know they're not supposed to do curiosity and adventure and things like that Mm -hmm. uh so she breaks the mold as well which is why she's interesting but yeah justin middle earth's uh superman shows up in a meteor and crashes um and that's that's where we end the episode. Uh, Nori and Poppy find this man. Um, he thankfully has some clothes on, um, and he has just crashed into a, a meteor, um, or he was a meteor and crashed into Middle Earth. <laughs> Maybe he was encased in a meteor. Who knows? Avatar style, big black eyes. <laughs> so I want to uh, talk about the Harfoots a little bit. I didn't get to uh, give yeah, my yeah, go ahead. my outlook on them. Uh, for me, hobbits. Uh, in the future of the show, pretty much, uh, are settled down. They have a place, the Shire. They they live in homes. Uh, these Harfoots are more uh, mobile. Okay, so uh, they're 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 okay for me to be dirty and gr- and kind of like messy because they move from place to place. They see danger, they move. They they move as a company and and harvest the land and then continue to move. So they're going to be a little dirtier. They don't have uh, a lot of places to you know sit down and get clean or you know, have a home. They don't call mm-hmm. a home a home. They call their company their home. So in this sense, I like it. I'm okay with it. Harfoots are interesting. They, they're they a new character that we haven't really ever heard of or seen. So I feel like this is a new version of a hobbit that's going to help the story move along uh, just like they do. Uh, I love the, yeah. um, the, the leader or the guy that is the astrologer or the text mm. reader. I love his character. Uh, he's looking into the astrology. He's looking at texts and seeing the sky. Uh, it's someone that has a little bit of knowledge more than normal Harfoots. And I feel like he's going to be a, a big point as well. Yeah. He was actually watching the meteor as well when it went by. So mm. I feel like this is something that um, is going to be a leading point for the Harfoots as, yeah. as a population for sure. Well, and, you know, this gypsies. Middle Earth gypsies. <laughs> um, you know, and this this kind of gets into the uh, second episode a little bit more, but I do want to bring it up here because what you said was pretty key is that Nori is going to be vital to this story. You know, mm-hmm. no matter no matter what, and the reason being is because we know that of hobbits, they are people who help despite their comfort, right? And that that's literally what Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pip did. In the original trilogy, like Frodo didn't want to carry that ring, but he understood the the greater task at hand. And that's what Nori is going to be. She's going to be and, and potentially Poppy as well. But she's going to be a very pivotal part of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see it uh, unfold because that's what we said in our Return of the King review. Um, or at least I said it was that. What I love about Return of the King, why it's my favorite movie in that trilogy, is because the Hobbits really showed their true selves and their their place in this wider and bigger story awesomely. And that that's what I think Nori um, and potentially Poppy, potentially, um, you know, Sedok are, are going to do. So I'm really excited for the for future. For sure, Nori. Yeah, for sure, Nori. Um so let's let's get into episode two. Um, adrift makes sense. <laughs> um, swimming drift? back to Middle Earth, Galadriel comes across a raft with human survivors of a shipwreck, and uh, these human survivors were not really keen to adding another person to their. I I mean. No, they were. They I don't were even survivors. know if I would call it a raft. <laughs> no, they were they definitely were in a desperate situation. Yeah, yeah. they were definitely uh, sticking with who they trust, who they know. Uh, they look like they were survivors from obviously a shipwreck, uh, and she was not taken as a friend or trusted at all at the beginning. Uh, no. There was one character that pulled her onto the boat, and others were yelling at that character for doing it because they mm-hmm. just wanted to stay safe uh, through the storm and through everything going on. Well, and then they, and then one of the characters pulls her hair back and understands that she's an elf, um, yeah. and so they instantly get defensive, mm-hmm. uh, because that's that's what you did in Middle Earth. Like you, you know, you just didn't converse with elves; um, they were uh, of higher breed, right, Joe? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some segregation here going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans didn't like elves. Elves kind of begrudgingly were there with the humans, but they're from different worlds, and yeah. 
they definitely treated each other as such. Same way with the Harfoots, though. They treated uh, the humans, the hunters, uh, as dangerous, even yeah. if they weren't. Like, we don't know if they were or not, but everyone, if they weren't, you know, the same people as you, then they're dangerous. They're outsiders. They're not yeah. to be trusted. And that's kind of how it worked. That's how everyone mm-hmm. got along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, shipwreck, this raft here, these, these people, they're attacked by Godzilla, um, and only one survives. Uh, <laughs> uh, the reason why I say Godzilla is cause they had that same cinematography wise. They still, they had that same like over the top look of like fins going under a boat, just like in the recent Godzilla's. So, or like um, but no, this, this was like this sea creature that was, it was, it was massive. Like, um, Nessie. definitely yeah. good size, size of yeah. a boat. Yeah. So definitely way bigger than um, the raft. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only one lived because he cut himself free of everyone and, uh, left them to die by the way. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's not like he lived out of luck. No, he's, no. he sold them out. He cut himself free and like pushed himself off. I was like, all right, uh, better you guys get eaten than me. Well, you know, and, uh, and she, and that's Halbrand of the Southlands, by the way, Halbrand. It happened. It happened in Titanic as well. You know, Rose could only fit on the door. So you had to, you had to save yourself before anyone else Mm -hmm. to hark back to earlier. You're going to need a, we're going to need a bigger raft, uh, would have been the thing you said. Well, at least Halbrand had a big enough raft to pick up Galadriel because, um, he does explain to story. her uh, that he is fleeing from orcs, so that instantly raises all the hairs on Galadriel's neck, her eyebrows, just everywhere. I mean, she went super saiyan here. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, she almost went into negative mode, is that what you're telling me? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. But... But yeah, she now understands that clearly her gut reaction was true. Um, you know, orcs are still around. The evil is still around. Sauron is still around. Um, and so they worked actually together to survive a storm. Um, now, we, you know, when they after they do survive the storm, that is pretty much the end of Galadriel in uh, Halrond's uh, Halbrand, sorry, uh, story in this particular episode um but they do survive the storm uh so we get to move on to other storylines so um nori and poppy keep the stranger so they're calling him the stranger secret from the other harfoots and give him food and shelter he does not speak their language but and i'm gonna pause here this was i'm gonna pause i'm actually gonna pause here because um joe this stranger um and I know that you've gotten uh, this far in the episode, so you've probably watched the show. But if you were, if you have not seen this, um, please stop um, and maybe save a surprise for yourself. Because Joe, this stranger has a peculiar long hair or long gray hair, long gray beard. It uh, yeah, it would <laughs> it would possibly be that we're meeting uh, an already known character here. Mm-hmm. It may possibly be that this is none other than Mithrandir. Uh, and I think that we'll probably get that name before we get uh, Gandalf. Yeah. Greyheim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that they'll introduce him as Mithrandir because that's his old wizard name. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing based on context clues in the episode, right? We know that he can speak to animals. Well, yeah, and that's why that's why I stopped in the synopsis because as Joe just revealed that to us, here are the hints. He does not speak their language, but he uses fireflies and apparent magic to indicate that he is searching for a constellation of stars that Nori does not recognize. So there are these like Gandalf things that we are accustomed to. Um, and Joe, you were saying uh, uh, you you actually in a conversation yesterday about this show, uh, were saying that there's another thing that kind of harkens back to Gandalf as well. Exactly. Yeah. So in Fellowship, we have the moment where he's talking to Bilbo, and he says, "Do you take me for a thief?" Mm-hmm. Right. And the way the camera, yeah, as a forced perspective is what it's called, and the way that they do that, uh, they darken everything, push in relief, like really focus on him. And make everything else kind of pull away. 
uh, and Darkin, they do the same thing again here with Nori and Poppy. Uh, mm-hmm. Now he's not saying, do you take me for a little more than a thief? Uh, he's just angry, but we get that same exact, and I mean same exact, like yeah. forced perspective, camera, zoom, pull, uh, that we did in Fellowship. So I would have to assume that this is most likely another Gandalf moment. So Justin, are you on board with our thoughts? That's a, that's a interesting philosophy. Uh, I, you know, cinematography wise, uh, directors do that a lot. They share camera pans, they share, you know, exposures and volume control with characters across multiple, multiple series and shows. So if, if that theory is correct, you know, I'm down. Uh, I'm down for it. It, it. He does share a lot of similarities. Early, early Gandalf, obviously. Uh, and he hasn't done anything to make me think this is a terrible portrayal. I think he's doing a fine job uh, for what he's sh- been shown to do so far. I would agree with that. But this is just a film theory or show theory. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the theory now. Um, I mean, I could I would be comfortable hedging a bet that this is Gandalf. Um, but at the end of the day, like we, we still don't know. I mean, in all fairness, uh, Radagast, you know, if they, if they bring him back, you know, he talks to animals. So this could potentially be Radagast the Brown, but Radagast the Brown also had a brown beard, had brown he was hair. He also smaller. He was also smaller. Part, this guy's really tall. Most part, mm-hmm. Gandalf talked to insects, bugs, uh, that we saw on screen and mm-hmm. he is in the scene controlling fireflies, which are yeah. a bug, mm-hmm. which is another tie uh, through line there. Uh, this scene yeah. though, I loved it. I thought it was visually awesome. You know, he controls oh, yeah. these oh, fireflies. Yeah. He, he frees them at first to save them and then controls them. They fly up. They show uh, a constellation in the star sky. Yeah. Uh, the, the lead hot, uh, hardfoot see it. And then, Something bad happens. Uh, a little yep. foreboding, a little foreshadowing. All the fireflies, one at a time, start to die. Uh, their lights just pick out, like boom, gone. Mm-hmm. And then all the others continue, and the Harfoots see that as well. So they they sense danger, but of course they're yeah. curious and they're already in the moment. They're going to continue. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, so that kind of is the end of that storyline throughout uh, episode two. So next, Arndir investigates tunnels beneath Hordern and is captured. Um, so this was, I, Justin's going to be on board for this. I, I know you are. Because I love when you throw different genres into episodes of series. This is straight out of a horror movie. Like, this is a horror scene and I loved it. I love the tense uh, nature that you have. I love the I love the the angst, the sort of like suspense that you have within this particular scene. I think Arandir, the actor, does it brilliantly. Um, and he is on the run and then eventually uh, Joe hands just reach out from behind him and he's gone <laughs> it was good i can get on board with this too i liked that yeah wow. i'm not a horror guy right wow. but i really enjoyed this scene uh i agree i think that it's necessary especially in tv to have moments like this that build that suspense that that build and like fill you with tension and angst and make you worried right we want to feel things for these characters we want to grow a bond with these characters so that we care about what happens to them. Uh, they, they did a very good job in the scene. Uh, I want to hark. I'm, I'm amazed right now. I'm floored that Joe liked it. Uh, but uh, are we let, surprised? Let's it's just romance. take our hats off. If you're wearing a hat, because the director in the scene, uh, it is very easy. And I've seen many horror films to show uh, my, my, I can show all the, the sources, but it is very easy to film tunnel scenes terribly uh, where you're close to the actors, you're close to the characters mm-hmm. and you're, and you're close up on their face and it looks terrible and it doesn't look great at all. This was done in a way that kept that camera pan back. It kept the openness to the tunnel still feeling claustrophobic, but showing the aggression of whatever is coming after him. 
showing the mm. tension and the and the thrill of it for real uh really well yeah. he, he hats off this director has has my my bucket it's good well the, the other thing is his uh is the the use of shadows um mm-hmm. in this scene as well like the use of shadows was done really well um you get you get this like just foreboding sense that somebody is watching you. Um, and it just worked really good. Like I said, I love when, I love when different genres are thrown into, you know, shows like I'm a huge fan of psych. Psych is one of my favorite shows. It's a comedy, but, but I loved when they did their Halloween inspired episodes and their horror inspired episodes and they worked, you know, the way that they did them. So same thing here works perfectly yeah, it goes back to that mando episode that was uh scary oh uh, joe just showed nice. a signature Whoa. board of all the psych characters that's uh, so cool auto- autograph script of the psych of that specific episode you're talking about with uh yeah the halloween ones. <laughs> wait the, is that the, the 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 like the camp crystal lake one are you talking uh, sorry, this is this is american duos because it had uh oh, okay. tim uh what is his name tim something but uh tim curry Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. It's pretty cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, uh, anyway, if, if so you're not watching on YouTube. You missed out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, go to the video and check that out. Um. So yeah. So Arn Deer gets captured. Bronwyn returns to her own village. Uh, Turhurad. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing some of these. Where an orc actually attacks her. And Theo. Now I I think this is an early iteration of what the orcs were because. It looked more gobliny to me. Uh, did you? Do you guys agree with that? It was very vicious. Yeah. Um, a little it could larger. have been one of the other ones with the the pointer ears. Yeah, like, right. There's different yeah. breeds. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this this guy looked pretty fierce, darn ugly. Um. But but they do end up killing it. Um. And they use its head as proof of danger to convince the rest of the town to leave. Now, that is a key plot because like th- throughout the first episode as well as the beginning of this episode, they did not believe Bronwyn that that they were actually in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um. They were happy. They were content with, you know, just their dive bar that they would uh, attend every single day. Um. And Justin, this put them on their toes. Yeah, uh, she. This just shows the graphic nature of the show. You know, you saw beheading early in the in the show uh, on the first episode, mm-hmm. but here you've you've got this head of a goblin. She just tosses it on the bar top and is like, "You believe me now?" <laughs> and let's get out of <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> uh, but I want to I want to go back a little bit where the fight scene with her son uh, against this one goblin because this really continued that horror esque element because you've got. Her hiding in a closet and him hiding in kind of like a mm-hmm. dumbwaiter closet. And you get yeah. this goblin prowling around uh, through the cracks and you get to see it. That tension, that Halloween tension, uh, the Michael Myers tension. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it was great. And then you see mom protects son and son protects mom tenfold. Mm-hmm. And it did a great job. Yes. All right. We got to push through here a little bit. Um so let's get to Elrond. We haven't really talked about him too much, um, but Gilgalad sends the half-elf Elrond to assist the great Elvin Smith Celebrimbor. So we we kind of know about Celebrimbor from from Joe. Let's let's just say it. He made the. What did he do? I don't know. He made the Rings of Power. Oh, what? Shock. we don't know that yet. He not hasn't done it. not all of them. He, he didn't make. Yet. He didn't make one of them. Yeah, true. Um, so <clears throat> Celebrimbor has these plans to build a powerful new forge, one that would quite possibly uh, assume that would forge the rings. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Things of beauty and power. Yes. So Elrond, after after like in the first episode, convincing Galadriel that it's good to go back, um, you know, understanding that there is still um, forces out there that you know, they should have taken care of and should have potentially kept Galadriel to take care of. Um, he now is with Celebrimbor and they are going to build this new forge. Now, uh, Elrond sees the plans. Um, I really enjoyed this scene, by the way. Elrond sees the plans and he's like, yo, we can't do this by the time frame that you want. We're going to need the help of dwarves. Um, 
and yeah. On to the Brokeback get... Misty Mountains. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Elrond suggests they seek help from the doors and goes to his friend, Prince Durin IV, in Khazad Doom. Um, yeah. So yeah, Joe, um, this entrance into Khazad Doom was awesome. Uh, yes, and also, like, ironically enough, it does the exact opposite from the uh, trilogy's entrance. Hmm. So in the trilogy, they have to speak friend and enter. Yeah. But when his friend speaks, he's denied it. He's denied Oh, entrance. yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that is kind of funny. Um, yeah. Elrond has not visited Durin in 20 years. And Durin is, quite frankly, PO'd about that um, because he thought that they were good friends. Um, Elrond missed his wedding, missed the the birth of two of his children um and Durin's not too happy about it um but thankfully his wife Disa convinces him to hear Elrond's proposal so yeah but actually, that is uh, not it skipped over the the whole hammer contest oh yeah the that I was just contest about to mention of hammers, that uh where yeah, they take which turns breaking rocks and it was just great uh that ending scene phenomenal hilarious great humor thrown into this i i want to speak about the the visual representation of these tunnels of these mines they oh, look great so the money that were, was involved for this i don't know how much they spent but it looked phenomenal a lot it, yeah <laughs> it looked like dwarven cities the way they walked the way they spoke yeah. the way they moved uh phenomenal intro into the city and then the hammer contest where you were circled by dwarves and you're just going back and forth, hitting rocks with a hammer. Uh, so, right. so I'm just gonna say this here for you, Justin. Uh, the whole season was 750 million dollars to produce. Yeah. Um, that means that every single episode, 93 million 750 thousand was poured into it, which also means that about 90 million was put into Casa Doom because it looked <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was up there for sure. Jeez, uh, that. It just, it kind of like, we've seen areas like this in the trilogy before. We've seen set pieces like this. Uh, but when we walked in there, it almost as if it felt like home. It felt mm. like something that I've been there and I know it and I feel the warmth and the characters in it. Uh, even though they were kind of aggressive and they weren't friendly as much, you still felt like it was a place that we know. And and I really, that that's something hard to do for something that's mm -hmm. so great about John. Yeah, it's the first actual visual representation of a Dwarven city, like, on screen, how it's told by the mm -hmm. characters, right? Every time, yeah. oh, we're going to be greeted in this beautiful, amazing, warm, happy, oh, homey, yeah. and then every single time in the every other movie, it's dismal, dank, dark, like, mm -hmm. awful, and finally we get that. Oh my god, this is beautiful! Like absolutely well, yeah. glorious. Even even Gimli was like, you know, my my cousin Durin is going to accept us with open arms here, and they open it up, and it's a tomb. Whereas yeah, yeah. here, as you said, Joe, which was really funny, I, I didn't pick up on this, but Elrond, a supposed friend, not accepted as a friend, and you're opening up to, as Justin said, home, and it just it fits it fits it fits perfectly because. The one thing that we don't get in the the original trilogy is, and even in The Hobbit, so you know, for a little bit, is like these vibrant and working on all cylinders like places, you know, besides the elven kingdoms in the original trilogy, like those elven kingdoms aren't touched. Whereas in, whereas like in the dwarven kingdom, in the men, in in the kingdoms of men, like. You see these like, you know, lake the lake town in the in the Hobbit trilogy. Like you see these these down stricken, just not good places to be living. And that's yeah. what I love about this is that like although some of the men stuff some of the villages of men isn't that pleasant in these first two episodes, like it seems like everybody's happy and vibrant and like it's looking good. And but um you know, that kind of brings us to the end of the episode where, again, Galadriel does, uh, you know, they get to shore. Um, they 
Uh, somebody somebody finds them and picks them up. We don't know who yet because there was a sun glare. But also there was another glare, Joe. Um, Durin's Bane shows up at the it's end mentioned. of this episode. Um, it is, yeah. It's not seen, but there is a, a clear glare that gives you the hint that... We have another Arkenstone on our hands, um, mm-hmm. and by another I mean the Arkenstone. There's not two; there's just one. <laughs> yeah, and what will it amount to? Like I yeah. liked that. Mm-hmm. I I was really happy with that. I love the introduction of the Arkenstone. We know there's power there. We don't know what it is. We don't know what the deal is, but we know there's also something else going on. Uh, they introduced that at the same time. Uh, the dwarves have an agenda. We don't know what that agenda is. We don't know what it looks mm-hmm. like. We don't know what's going on. But they have an agenda outside of what Elrond wants from them. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I like that they've introduced a bunch of different storylines. I'm excited to see them come together uh, and, you know, come to fruition towards the end, hopefully, of this series mm-hmm. uh, or season. Hopefully, it's multiple seasons. We'll see what happens <laughs> um, and how it keeps going, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that makes a lot more sense. I thought it was Melnir uh, in that box. Uh, so, yeah, you thought it was Mjolnir in yeah. that box? Th- yeah. That's a different cinematic universe. I'm <laughs> crossing streams here. <laughs> no, yeah, I I think it was I think it was Durin's Bane. I thought it was the Arkenstone. I, I think it was clearly that because they were also talking in the same breath that they were showing that that they didn't trust Elrond still. Um, and they thought that Elrond was there for a different purpose. And obviously it being the Arkenstone that we know, like, it's clear that, you know, what is Durin's dad's name? Durin. It is Durin? Okay. I Durin, think it's a whole lineage of Durin. Yeah, so yeah, the other the Durin, um, <laughs> the other Durin is still like, you know, he's got kind of that dragon mind, you know, that greed to it. And that's why he's still so close knit to the Arkenstone. So that's that's what I believe it is. But that's it. Let us know what you thought of the first two episodes. We're going to be doing a new ranking system throughout this series. We want to try something out because we're not going to rank each and every episode with a one through five. We are going to just tell you. Seven. Huh? Yeah. Give no. <laughs> we so we are going to have like kind of a three tier ranking after each review until the final episode where we will give a number to the entire season. But our three step review process here will be our top tier is going to be we are all in. Like we are ready and excited to see the next episode. Our next tier will be hopeful or optimistic that we're not necessarily all in like I'm going to watch it every single episode, but I think that it's going to be good. And then the bottom tier is going to be concerned. So if we're truly concerned about this show, we will let you know. Um, But Joe, let's go with you first. Are you all in optimistic or concerned? I am 100% optimistic at this moment. Uh, I'm not all in. Uh, There are things that I don't agree with fully and don't love uh which i've mentioned a couple of them uh haven't mentioned all of them and i i'm very optimistic for where the show could go though uh i think right now because there's so many stories open there's so much going on uh that they have uh they have every opportunity to do it right Mm -hmm. i'm hopeful that they will justin are you all in optimistic or concerned I'm definitely not at the halo tier down there. Uh, I'm going to go up to the top on this one. I am all in. Uh, These two episodes gave me drive. It gave me, um, it took my hope and, and threw it into, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I feel like they're doing things correctly in my opinion and things that they are, um, are starting to do are going to fulfill themselves at the end. I feel like Mm -hmm. they have the drive with this creative flow uh, the only concerning part for me is the multiple directors, but I feel like with the budget and with the freedom to write, I feel like they're going to tie it in correctly and they're doing a proper just proper justice to my Lord of the Rings viewing pleasure. I, I don't see this like The Hobbit. I see this as a new, brand new story that continues to surprise me at every turn. And I'm looking forward to the next six episodes. Mm-hmm. 
And I will echo that. I am all in as well on this show. I think that what they did story-wise, not to mention uh, just the set pieces and cinematography-wise, I think that this show is going to surprise all of us. Um, I think it's going to be a great hit. Now, with that being said, our opinion can change. Um, Like Justin did mention it, for example, I was all in after episode one on Halo. Um, episode two, I was concerned, you know, so it's going to be those types of things. There is a potential that, you know, Joe or Justin or I could be leaning a bit more to the concern when we get into the middle of the series. So that's why we switched up the rankings here. I hope you like it. Let us know if you agree and let us know if you're concerned about the show or, or optimistic or all in down below in the comments or on a podcast review. Just a reminder, podcast reviews really help us out. Also, word of mouth, like share about this show, share about uh, Test Your Might, share about What The Fun Network. We want you guys to share about the stuff that we're passionate about too. So if you guys like this episode, just tell one person. That's your goal. Tell one person about What The Fun Network and We'll, we'll see these episodes uh, skyrocket, and we're really excited for that potential in the future. If you would like to follow us on social media, we are at WhatTheFunPod on both Twitter and Facebook. And this has been our review of episodes one and two of The Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. Go ahead and watch it if you have not already seen it. My name is Mike. That is Joe. That's Justin. This has been What The Fun Show. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye, everybody. Definitely. They were talking about hammers beforehand. They were having a hammer contest. Hammer time? Thor's hammer. Thor's hammer. Um, hammer time. (laughs) It's a show. Lord of the Rings. It's a a show. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what you guys were expecting there. Oh, I gave a good one. It's okay. I followed up with a, a nice hook. All right. And then, and then I had it too. So <laughs> you're funny, Joe. I, love I, it. The, the, I have nothing to go off of for a spoiler review except for it's Lord of the Rings content. And if you like Lord of the Rings, you should watch it. Well, the, you can you can mention like I mentioned you can, the look you can of it, the feelings it gave about you. the episodes. Yeah, <laughs> that would yeah. be spoiling it. No, it wouldn't. What did I say that spoiled it? I said I said it looked good. The it has characters the... that we have already seen before. Things like that. that I added that. That's because, been but known. That's a spoiler. <laughs> it's not known to people like me, though. I didn't know that. You are almost one of one <laughs> in this world who just don't watch trailers, okay? One of one. <laughs> It's a good thing. Uh, Everyone should be like me. Don't watch trailers. I I believe it's a good thing in certain circumstances. But anyway.